Okay, good morning, everybody. Good morning. So we actually, I just feel a little bad. Last week we discussed about standing with Nei Hashem, and we spoke about the three steps. I didn't give it its proper due. I actually uh, gave over something a little incorrectly. So if you'll indulge me just for a couple minutes, we'll just discuss about, we spoke about being lifting Hashem, the essence of tefillah, is standing before Hashem. And we said about the three steps forward and three steps back. So I misquoted something. I just want to go back for a second. It says in Bracious, Vayigash love Yehuda, when Yehuda approaches Yosef to discuss about the whole uh, goblet in Binyamin's cup, Rashi says there, Vayagash Avram and Sinu Hagasha, um, sorry, Vayigash Yehuda. So Rashi brings, we see the word Hagasha that he approached three different cases. One is Vayigash Avram. Rashi says, Matsinu Hagasha Lemolchama. Avram was prepared to go ahead and for, for war, when he was engaging in war. Vayigash Yoav, also, for, also, sorry, Vayigash, yes, Vayigash of the Melchama, Vayigash Yoav was for Pius, and uh, for, by um, Yehuda, it was to maybe Mephayes, to go ahead and be Mephayes, um, um, Yehuda was Mephayes Yosef, and then last one, Vayigash Latfila was Eliyahu Anavi. So Yigash Avram was for Melchama, Sorry, Vayigash Yoav was for Melchama. Sorry, for Yehuda was for, for Pius to be appease Yosef. And uh, Eliyahu Anavi with the Baal, with the, those who worshipped uh, the Baal on Carmel was for Tefillah. So the Rokeach is the one that brings, when we daven, we move three steps forward and daven to Hashem, we should approach with all these three things in mind. He says all three different types of Tefillah, these three same Hagashos that Yehuda displayed, that, that um, Avram displayed, and that... Uh, and then Eliyahu uh, Nabi displayed, those are the three steps that we are supposed to go ahead and have in mind when we engage Hashem. It does not mention anything about walking backwards. The Rokeach, which is brought down in the Shulchan Aruch by the, uh, by the Ramah, is talking about walking forwards. The, the Gemara says we take three steps backwards after. And in fact, the Mishnah Bura says one does not, contrary to popular opinion, one does not have to take three steps back in order to take three steps forward when you start Shemon Esrei, although it, nonetheless it is a minhag. We also mentioned the reason why we take three steps forward uh, when we daven um, is because of the Rokeach. We should have in mind those three aspects of the three different personalities that we saw prepared for three different aspects of tefillah, whether for Melchama, for Pius, or for tefillah. And we said the three reasons why we move back are the, the Beis Yosef brings down p- multiple reasons. One is Rev Haigon, who says when the Kohen would go in and bring the Karbanos, he would walk down after he went ahead and brought the Karbanos on his Beach, he would walk down from his Beach to the ramp. And he took three steps backwards. So those three steps represent the three steps that we take back when we leave the Shechina, so to speak, after we finish davening. The second possibility is that Moshe, when Moshe entered Harsina, he walked through three different partitions, Choshech, Anon, and Arafel, three different kinds of darkness and thickness and clouds. So so those three um, partitions are represented by when we walk back, the three steps back. We also saw that Bnei Israel retreated three mil, three miles, when they left Har Sinai. So we also correspond one step for each mile when we leave. Question is, what is the, the shear of the steps? How far should we walk back when we take these three steps back? So in fact, the Dark Emosha, who was Rav Moshe Israelist, the Ramah, in the Sefer Dark Emosha says he was asked this, Said this was asked by, by the Rashba, and the Rashba says he didn't really know the exact distance, but really we should mimic the Kohanim. Since we stand together, really our feet are together, we know as one, to mimic the Malachim, because they have one, look like they have one foot. When we walk back, we're supposed to mimic the Kohanim, and it's basically heel to toe. So when you take a step back, it doesn't have to be a large, large step. You don't have to cover eight feet when you take your three steps back. Heel to toe, heel to toe. That's basically what we assume. In fact, the Mechaber says, the Shulchan Aruch says, that if one was to go ahead and he says um, to take larger steps, 
It might even be, he says, okay, the very, very least, you should go ahead and take heel to toe when you step back, which would suggest that's the very least, but one can do more. But the, the Ramah says one should not take more. It appears to be what's called yuhara. If you take large steps, you're a little bit, um, a little bit arrogant. Why? Similarly, also, if you take more than three steps back, why? Because if you take more than three steps back, or really big steps back, it suggests you were so close to Hashem that you need more than the average person to distance yourself, meaning the Shekhinah was so great around your davening that you need much more of a retreat, so to speak. Um, and also, if you take more than three steps forward, that suggests Hashem is too distant. You need to do much more than everyone else, which one should not do as well. After taking the three steps back, how long should one wait there? So the Shulchan Aruch says, You should not go ahead and return to your original spot at the end of Shemunas when you take your three steps back. Um, until the Chazin goes ahead and davens, or similarly, sorry, you should wait until the, sorry, you should wait until the Shalech Tzibor starts Kedusha, at the very least, until he starts Shmon Esrei, the Chazar Sashatz. So when you take it three steps back, it's not three steps back and come right, right in, you should wait at least until the Chazin starts to daven, uh, repeat the Shmon Esrei, or the Kedusha. What about when you're davening alone in your house? How long should one wait? Uh, similarly, how long should the, should the, should the chazan wait before he takes his steps back? And that is about hiluch dalaramos, the length it would take to walk about dalaramos, which is a few seconds. And the last question is, what if a person behind you is still davening? What do you do? Do you take your three steps back? And the answer is, you should not take the three steps back if it's going to infringe on his, on his tefillah. So that is just something I just want to discuss a little bit before we go ahead and we go on to the Gemara now. So, okay, with that in mind... The Gemara on Ches Amad Beis. We are about, to, we just finished, we're in the middle of the three statements from Rabbi Shua ben Levi to his children. The first one was to be very, very nizar, to be very careful in Shnai Mikra Bechatargum. We discussed that last week. And then this, the next one is, we are, let's see, about, um, I guess, towards the uh, bottom of the middle of the narrow lines, probably about uh, seven, eight lines from the beginning of the wide lines. So we said, Vizaru um, Bevridin. Okay, so Rabbi Yeshua Ben Levi tells his children, Vizaru Bevridin. Once you go ahead and be careful, Rabbi Huda, when you go ahead and you shech the chicken, specifically fowl, we know that there's usually two simonim when we shech an animal. You have to cut the trachea and the esophagus, the cut and the veshet. By a fowl, by birds, it's only poultry, it's only one. One of those signs that you have to cut. But he says here, when you do go ahead and cut birds specifically, make sure you cut the vridin as well. What exactly are the vridin? So the Gemara Chulin Tafkavzayin discusses there. It seems to be that Rashi says the jugular veins. And according to the Rambam, it's most probably the carotid arteries. And the reason is because it's very, very hard to go ahead and get all the blood out. We do a malicha process. We salt the meat to get all the blood out. But these um, blood vessels are so rich in blood that... It's, you really have to go ahead and puncture them, otherwise they're not going to be completely drained. And he says it specifically by a bird as opposed to an animal, let's say a cow, because the cow is never roasted whole. When you cut, when you shuck the cow, when you roast it, usually cut into pieces. So by definition, it's not going to be a one whole entity. It's much easier for the blood to be drained. But when you go ahead and you cut a, a uh, when you cut, when you shecht a chicken, and usually you, you, because it's much smaller in size, you roast it whole, it's much less likely to be able to draw out all the blood. So you can puncture it. It's not part of the shechita. The shechita is totally separate. Cutting the kana or the veshet is, the esophagus, the trachea is totally different. And you can even puncture those with a, with a, with a, with a needle. Any, it doesn't have to be with the knife. You could puncture those blood vessels 
with uh, anyway, you can just make sure the blood is 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 completely drained. Really, a whole topic unto itself, but not really relevant for here. This non Rabbi Yehuda Omer Savridin. In order that all the blood should come out, you have to go ahead and cut off the blood vessels entirely. Remember, we discussed that Vizavachta Kasher Tzivisicha. Hakadosh Baruch tells Moshe to go ahead and shecht it as I commanded you. We find no mitzvah of shechita mentioned in the Torah anyway. This is one of the biggest proofs that the Torah Shabal Peh exists. Because he says, as I commanded you. What do you mean, as you have to slaughter as I commanded you? There was no command, there's no tzibu in the Torah mentioning the chiv of shechita, the process of shechita. But yet he says, kasher tzivisicha, as I commanded you. So it must be that Kosh Baruch told certain things to Moshe, which we were not privy to, and that is Torah Shabal Peh. Okay, next. The Hizar B'Zakin, and the third thing Rishu ben Levi said, is Vizar Hizar B'Zakin, go ahead and be very, very careful when it gives covered to a Zakin. Sheshachach Talmudo Machmas Onso, who was once upon a time a tremendous Talmachacham, but due to uh, misfortune, whether he was so busy at work or because of his age and, and, and dementia set in, and for any of those reasons, he forgot his Torah, you still must go ahead and revere him and give him the respect that he is due. Why? Because the Pasuk says, As we say, the Chachamim learn out by the Luchos, the original Luchos, sorry, the second pair of Luchos, and the original pair, which were broken, both of them were placed in the Aaron. Both, we don't throw out or discard the broken Luchos, meaning the Luchos once upon a time had the unbelievable Kedusha, and now when it's, uh, it's not in its glory anymore, so we still don't treat it uh, disrespectfully, they are still in the Aaron. And how do we learn this from the Pasuk? I'm going to read the Pasuk to you. It says, It says, That you broke, put in the Aaron. Now, Ostensibly, it's talking about the first luchos. You should the second luchos. You should put in the aron. Listen, what it says? It says va'echtov ala luchos. I will write on the second luchos as hadvar mashir ayu ala luchos harishonim. That which was written on the first luchos, which are now broken, v'samtem ba'aron. You should put them in the aron. What's the them? Presumably the second ones. But yet it says, when it says asher shibarta v'samtem ba'aron, the juxtaposition of those two. The Chachamim learned out, even though the Peshat is talking about that the, the second, the new Luchos you put in the Aaron, since it says Vishibarta, those were broken, put them in the Aaron, the juxtaposition teaches us that even the second, even the Shivrei Luchos, the first Luchos, were put in the Aaron. So basically, we're going to go on a really weird tangent here, but basically the antecedent of Visamta you should put is, right before that, is the Shivrei, the Shivrei Luchos, the broken Luchos. Even though the Pshat is that it should be the second Luchos you put in the Aron, the fact that it says the ones which you broke put in the Aron, it's, they learn out even the second one. And obviously the analogy is even the first one and the broken ones. And the analogy is that even a Talmud Chacham who no longer has his, his, um, his wits about him and unfortunately lost his, Torah, lost his Torah, still has to be revered. So there's a lot to talk about here. So let's just go on a little bit of attention there. So the first thing is, the, the Gemara Sota, the last, last lines of Gemara Sota, the Mem Testament base discusses that there were many, many traits that were lost in this world when the Tana who exhibited those traits was Nifter. It goes on, when so-and-so was Nifter, this, this Mita left the world. And one of them is, it says, Mishemes Rebbe, when Rebbe, Rebbe Danasi died, but La Nova, Nova left this world also. And also similarly, left. Don't say that Anova left when Rebbe died, because I'm still here. That's what Rebbe Yossi said, which you would think is the exact opposite of humility. He's saying there's still humility in the world. Look how look how humble I am. 
So really, we, we cannot expect that Rav Yosef would say something like that. So how to understand that a little bit more, Rashi in the Gemara in Ksubis, the first daf, says when, when Rav Yosef is discussing, he's not sure what they said before him, he was a little unsure. So Rashi actually says, Rav Yosef actually forgot what, in his early years, what he learned. So when he was saying, I'm humble, meaning I'm humbled. Look how much Torah I learned. And now that I forgot, so don't think humility is God from this world. It's very easy to be humble because we, you could be at such a high level one time in your life. And then the next thing, everyone, the next day, everything's taken, taken away from you. We're not necessarily on terra firma in this world and everything can be taken away. So we see here that even Rav Yosef, who was forgot, as great as he was, forgot everything. So this is in light of the Gemara here that says, even when a Tamachachim forgets something, one should go ahead and always revere him. I've had many far-fetched uh, uh, raid, if you will, off the Gemara topics. This is probably my biggest stretch. So everyone grab a chumash. This is really a fun, this is going to be a fun few minutes. There are many compelling questions in Sefer Bracious. My top three personally is why Avram didn't fight back with HaKadosh Baruch Why didn't he negotiate when he came to Yitzchak? He negotiated on behalf of Sodom. But yet when it comes to um, shafting his son, there was no response, no retort, and no negotiation process. Another question is why didn't Yosef call home for 22 years? Third set of questions in Gan Eden, if HaKadosh Baruch Hu made the eight Yodeh uh, wouldn't he want man to know what's good and evil? Why would he make it if he didn't want man to taste it? And if he didn't know, presumably before he ate it, what's good and bad, how could he be punished for eating it? He didn't really understand the concept. A lot of compelling questions to say for Bracious. The next here is who sold Yosef? It's not certainly not on the top, top list, but who actually sold Yosef? So if everyone can open up the Chumash, we're going to start now. And the, the reason I'm bringing this in, again, it's one of my biggest stretches, but just like we learn now, the the limud of putting the shivra kalim, the shards of the first luchos in the aron, was learned from a juxtaposition. It's not the shot in the pasuk, but the juxtaposition. Where basically, whichever noun came before the verb, that's what the verb is referring to. So that's the connection to this pasuk. Again, a very far, far fetched stretch, but a fun one nonetheless. So, if we were to look at, let me just pull this up. The first. Pasuk is, by the way, Rashi had, had, had only daughters, right? Yocheved, Miriam, and Rachel. Yocheved had three sons, meaning three of Rashi's grandsons. Rabbeinu Yaakov, affectionately known as Rabbeinu Tam, right? Ya- Yaakov, Ishtam, Yishevalim. So Rabbeinu Yaakov was known as Rabbeinu Tam. He had, uh, the uh, next son was Shmuel, and we had Yitzchak, the Rivam, Ben Meir, Yitzchak Ben Meir, Shmuel Ben Meir, the Rashbam, and the Rabbeinu Tam. The Rashbam, Rashi's grandson, had a very a big parish on the, obviously, all over Torah, but on the Chumash as well. So I wanted to discuss specifically what he says. So if everyone can turn to Bracious Lamed Zayin, Pasuk Chavches. Parak Lamed Zayin, Pasuk Chavches. What? Steve, where are you? What page? You don't have it with you. Okay. Chavches. Lamed Zayin Chavches, 205. So it says there, this is by Mechiras Yosef. When Yosef is being sold, and it says there, Vayavru anashim midyanim socharim, the midyanim passed by, just to create this, they were familiar with this, one of the most famous stories, that the brothers saw Yosef coming, they disrobed him, they took off his katonas uh, pasim, they threw him in the pit, and then they went ahead, they went ahead and to sit elsewhere, presumably they didn't sit right there, it's not easy to go ahead and eat lunch while you hear the cries of your brother coming from a, of a pit, so the, presumably they moved away. <coughs> The Pasuk continues to tell us that these Ishmaelim came by 
And then eventually, <coughs> these Midianite merchants came by, and they picked him up, they picked him up from the Elim. They sold Yosef to the Shmelim. Who sold him? Who picked him up? The Midianim. So it seems to be here, the Midianim. But what, what do we all learn in school? Who sold him? Who picked him up? The brothers. So which is it? Is it the brothers sold Yosef or is it the Midianim? So if you look at the antecedent here, Who's the last noun before Vayim Shechu? The Midianim, not the brothers. So it, it would suggest that it was the actual Midianim and the biggest crime that we think was committed was actually never committed. The brothers didn't have an active part. In fact, I'm going to read the Rashbam for you, and then we're going to look in the Pesukim. Rashbam says, Presumably, the brothers were not sitting at the edge of the pit. They heard the brother, their brother crying, let's go have a picnic. Presumably, they walked away. They were, whatever it was, 500 yards away. They, so they wouldn't hear the cries. It's hard to go ahead and enjoy a good sandwich when you hear your brother crying, no matter what your intentions were for him. They saw they saw a caravan in the distance of the Ishmaelim coming, and they figured until they get to us, that's a little bit of a mount, you know, hilly roads, in, so to speak, in the desert, it'll be 15, 20 minutes until they get there. Before the brothers got up from their picnic to go rendezvous with the Ishmaelim at the edge of the pit, the Midjanim came before then. Must have been maybe their view was blocked by a sand dune and they didn't see him. And the, the Midjanim heard Yosef crying. They picked him up. And they went ahead and they sold him to the Ishmaelim. Now, and he goes on to say, this appears to me to be the pshat. Now we know that this majority of the Rishonim and Mepharshim do not hold like this. They say that it was Yosef that sold them. So what actually compelled, besides this structure of the sentence, what actually compelled the, uh, the Rashbam to say this? So Ray David Foreman gives an unbelievable insight. So let's, let's turn now to Bracious Membez, Pasuk Chafalif. Oh yeah, you gotta go quickly, so you gotta be the one announcing the pages here. Yeah, Membez Chafalif. No, 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 no. We're saying now, according to the Rashbam, that the brothers went to eat. I'm just talking about the puzzle. The puzzle, we don't know. It says, Vayim Shechu That's the question. Who's Vayim Shechu? Who's picked? No, two, three, six. The brothers sold them to the Ishmaelites, who, who then who? created with no, the we No, no, that's what we're taught to believe. If you look at the actual Psukim, it says, Vayavru Anashim Janim Socharim. Merchants pass by, Ishmaelite merchants pass by, Vayim Shechu Vayalu. They picked him up. Who's they? Who's they? So you would think it's the last noun. The noun right before they picked him up is the Mijanim Sochrim. So look what it says. Vayomu Ishalachiv in this pasuk. So the brothers say this. The, the setting is that Yosef. So three, six. Page 236 on top. Okay. Membeis pasuk Chafalev. So it says Vayomu Ishalachiv. So the brothers now are talking amongst themselves. Yosef accused them of being spies. He left them. And they're talking amongst, amongst themselves. We are guilty regarding our brother, that we saw his, his, his trouble, his distress. You know why this has happened to us? That we're being accused of being spies? Because we didn't listen to our brother when he was crying out. What does this suggest? 
that their biggest hate was that they didn't listen to him when he was crying from the pit. Had they sold him, what would have they been saying now? What was the bigger hate? Putting him in the pit or selling him into slavery and having their father mourn the rest of his life? Selling him to slavery. Selling him to slavery. But they didn't say that. They didn't say that. So this is point number one, which, is, which Rabbi Foreman suggests prompted the, the Rashbam to say what he said. Everyone agree? In other words, if, if, if you're going to say something, if you're being the fast face from Masav, if you're doing introspection, why did this come? You're going to pick the worst of Eira. You're not going to say, we, we let him in the pit an hour too long? You sold him into slavery. Number two. Look now in Bereshus Lamed Zayin, Pasuk Chavtes. Go back to Vayeshev now. Bereshus Lamed Zayin, Pasuk Chavtes. It says, Vayeshev Ruvain El Abor. Ruvain returns to the pit. Again, Lamed Zayin, Pasuk Chavtes, 204. Vayeshev Ruvain El Abor. Ruvain returns to the pit. Vinei in Yosef Babor. Yosef is not there. Vayikroz Begadav. And he tears his clothes in mourning. He thinks that Yosef was consumed by a wild animal. What are we all taught, the Medrash by Rashi brings down, we're all taught to think that Reuven left the brothers to go ahead and be Mishamesh. It was his day to go ahead and serve his father. If you think about it, the best way to service your father is to make sure that his beloved son is not going to be harassed, attacked, and abused, and tormented by the other brothers. So if it really was his job to go ahead and, and be Mishamesh, his father, they should have stuck by Yosef. They had intentions to kill. The Psukim, to kill him, the Psukim nowhere mentions that Ruvain left his brothers. Presumably he was with them the whole time. Since he was the one who really was interested in saving him, because we saw that earlier, that Ruvain, he said, just put him in the pit, don't, don't, don't kill him. And he, Gemar says, he, the Chomish says, he intended to come back and take Yosef out of the pit. If he never left the brothers... And he comes now and says, where is he? That means the brothers didn't know that he was sold. It says, Vayashav el Wait, he was the first one to go. He returned to his brother. Right, he was the first one to go to the pit. They finished eating, they were having dessert. He says, I'll skip dessert. Let me run to the pit to get him out. The, the, the Chumash tells us he wanted to save him. Right. As a matter of fact, the Gemara tells us, had Ruve known, as if, if Ruve knew that the, Gemara, that the Torah was going to record his thought process and say that he wanted to save him and he didn't, he would have done much more to save Yosef. In other words, he didn't but, know that to be mentioned for posterity. It was Judah who recommended he be stolen. Right. Correct. But Rashi is going against the Pasuk, and Rashi is saying that, uh, that, uh, that there's a contradiction in the text, and that, that he was sold uh, from, from the brothers to the Ishmaelites. And the Ishmaelites Again, and the that's what we're discussing right now. So that, that's Rashi. This is the Rashbam, right. his grandson. So, question, so point number two is that he didn't the Psukim never tell us that he left the brothers, and if the brothers didn't, if he, if he came back and saw that Yosef wasn't there, presumably the brothers didn't know that he wasn't there either. The, the Chumash never tells us that they separated the brothers. So he comes back and sees that, the brother, that he's not there. Presumably he, they did not sell him. It must have been that the Ishmaelim picked up. And the third one... But, 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 but the Ramban brings down, with, with a multiple-page summary, that, that what we're talking about is an oath, that the brothers made an oath. Yeah. That, that, that Yosef would be in the pit, and that was it. The oath is what, is what bonded them together. Okay. What, what the Ramban says, they, they went back, but they knew in their mind, they made the oath, so that, that was it. Like, like they, they knew what they did. Like oh. they, they all, and Yosef was in on it as well. Yosef was, it, was in on what? No, the, the, when all the brothers made the oath, 
that, that Yosef is going to be in the pit, all of them agree to it, which is why... Okay, again, this is the Rashbam. Right, right, if you look at the simple Pesukim, we're just... Look at the simple Pesukim. We have Midrashim, we have different Shatim. If you look at the simple Pesukim, the third one is, and this is the, uh, a great question. Twice. He was sold twice, correct. And here's the third question. We know the Torah doesn't waste real estate. The Torah didn't tell us what the weather pattern was that day in the, in the desert. It didn't tell us if, the, if, the, if there were gusts of wind, the color of, the kids, uh, of, of, of all the kids' uh, shoes. Why would it tell us, if they were irrelevant to what's going on? Why would the Torah tell us, merchants pass by, if they had no shaykhs of the story at all? Who cares? And the sun was at 67 degrees latitude, it was 73 degrees, it was cloudy. It doesn't tell us anything that's not relevant to the story. So these three points, suggested by Foreman, is exactly why what prompted the Rashbam to give this shot. Now we know, obviously, from the simple things, what brought us to this connection was the antecedent. It says the last words that were brought, were the last noun brought was the Mijanim. The next verb was Vayim Shechu. So therefore, that was our connection to what we said about the Shiver Luchos. But we see here that sometimes the, the Pshat is going to be based on what exactly is the verb, that, the, the noun that precedes the verb. By the way, no one asked me the following question. Later on it says, Yosef admits to them, Hashem Achartem, you sold me. Right? So the Rashbam addresses this. Yosef says, you guys sold me. Does, isn't that a proof? No, because Yosef doesn't know who actually told the Midianim to take him out. He was in the pit. As far as he knows, the brothers were in on it. So it's not necessarily a strong question. In any event, this sort of turns on its head. What, he saw who handed him off. Right? Correct. But it doesn't mean that the Jews, that the brothers didn't say to Midianim, go, go get my brother. He's in the pit. Right? It could be the, whoever started the process. In other words, you know, he, he wasn't there to know that there was no conversation between the brothers and the Mijanim. Anyway, so this was just a little uh, tangent, but a, a fun one nonetheless. The reason I thought of this, when I, when I learned the Gemara, I don't really know what I'm going to do until I learn the Gemara, and it's, this possibly reminds me of a discussion we had. We tried to have animated discussions at our table Friday night Shabbos day, so this is one of the discussions we had, who sold Yosef? So this brought, brought, me, to, uh, brought me to this uh, memory. To this, uh, to this. Exactly. But I'm saying it's the Rashbam. It's not like a esoteric. We're talking about the Rashbam here. Well, what he says makes actual sense. Perfect right. sense. Right. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. That's what I want to discuss. It's interesting, right? It's a whole new view. So okay. it's, it's clear that the Midianim sold him. Oh, according to the Rashbam. Yeah, I mean, you have another, other heavyweights in the other corner. But he says it's the shot. Now, before we go on, I just want to talk about a little bit about being desired to go ahead and to give um, honor to our uh, big topic, honor to um, our Zikanim and, and to, um, and to our, our, our Chachamim, to, to Amidah Chachamim Rabbanim, and to elders, based on, this, um, based on this line in the Gemara, that we should go ahead and always give cover. So the Gemara Bar-Metziah discusses that until Avram, listen to this, before Avram came in the world, there was no concept of age, of elderly, of becoming elderly, of your face changing, of becoming signs of, 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 of advanced age. Whoever wanted to speak to Avram wound up in essence really come to speak to Yitzchak. We know that they looked very similar to each other. And whoever wants to speak to Yitzchak sometimes would mess up and go ahead and speak to Avram. They, there was no aging process there. Until Avram complained, and he said to Kodesh Baruch Hu, I have meetings, business meetings with, with individuals, and they wind up meeting with, with Yitzchak. You have to do something. So until he davened for it, says the Gemara, Avram was the first one, Avram before Avram davened for signs of, of old age, that there should be a recognition. Maybe now we would probably want to undo it. Thanks, but, right? Thanks, Avram. We can thank you for many, many other things. So... <clears throat> 
So until that time, there was no zikna. And we know the Parshas Kedoshim, it says, We have to get up for a seva, for a, a sage, and also for, for a zakin. So what is, what is the halacha? So the Gemara says, the Gemara Kedushim, Daf Lamed Beis, discusses as follows. It says, You have to get up for, an, for a sage, for Tamechachim, Even possibly for someone who is a, a sinner. What is that? Zakin Ashmai. So either it means, according to Rashi, he's a Russia and an Amaretz, or according to Rabbeinu Tam, he's an Amaretz, but not a Russia. But the, the, the Havamina, there's a thought that maybe we should get up for someone who's just old, even if they're a Russia. Then the Gemara continues, Rabbi Yosek Lili says, no, in Zakin, no, Zakin, in this Pasuk, only means that you have to have knowledge. And nothing to do with age. If someone is a Tamachachim, you get up. And then there's a third Shita. And by the way, the, the difference the Gemara says between those two would be someone who's young and Tamachachim. If someone is old, you have to get up someone old. The other one says you have to get up someone who's a Tamachachim. So the Nafkamin would be if someone is a young Tamachachim. You have a 40 year old who's a Rabbi Goldberg, is not old, he's a Tamachachim. So would you have to get up? He certainly is not going to see the age which is a, he's a, he's a Zakein. We're going to see he's 70. So obviously we stand up when we see Rabbi Goldberg walking through him. He's clearly not 70. So the question is if you, the difference would be between old and Chachim. If you have a young Chachim, he's not old, you have to get up. But there's a third sheet, and that's how we paskin of Isi Ben Yehudo says. Don't disregard the first part of the pasuk. He says, "Any any elderly person doesn't matter if you're a tamachacham or non tamachacham. If you are white hair, if you're a sage, yeah, okay, white hair." No, that doesn't say white hair. That doesn't necessarily, but he's just saying age. The Rambam actually mentions. He says, "Mishahu zakin muflag bezikna afapishenachacham omdun fun." The Rambam actually passes the Tamatara that anyone who is a seva, who, has, a, who has, a, has age, we have to go ahead and stand up. And the Yorid and Mechav and Shulchan Aruch says, this fa- in fact, Even a younger Tama Chacham should have to get up if he sees an elderly person. Now, the question is as follows. Even the elderly person is a Russian. Oh, so we're going to get to that in a second. So the question is, <clears throat> so the Ramah says, if, Ramah says, if he's a Russia, you do not stand up for him. So an elderly person, but he's, he doesn't have to be a Tamachacham, but he can't be a Russia. Now, the Gemara, the, the, is there a mitzvah to get up before in front of elderly people who are non-Jewish? If you have a 80-year-old person who's not Jewish, you have a Catholic, a Christian, a Muslim comes in, and he's 80 years old, what, what, does this apply across the board, or is this only rele- relegated to, to a fellow Yid? So... Gemara Kedushin, Daflam and Gimel says as follows, Rabbi Yochanan would stand up before an Armenian, and he would say, the reason Rabbi Yochanan would do this, Rabbi Yochanan was a Kohen, Kohen Gadol, right? How many experiences has this guy endured in his life? And based on his experience and his knowledge of life, that warrants me to go ahead and stand up for him. So, uh, Rava would not stand before them, Rava didn't get up, but Rava would do acts that showed kindness to them or displayed honor to them. Not necessarily getting up, but maybe he'd give him his chair, something along those lines. Now the Yerodea says, listen to what the Mechaber says, and he says, says the Mechaber, even an elderly person who's Ovid Avodazara, you still don't have to stand up for him, but you should still do something Recommend. that shows a little bit of, uh, of, of honor to him. What about, do we have to stand before an elderly woman? I know this sounds really chauvinistic, I apologize. It's just, I'm just bringing these shitas, don't blame me. What about the mitzvah to stand in front of an elderly woman? So the Minchas Chinuch says, of course, since we're passing, like Isi Ben Yehuda says, you stand up for any elderly person, even a non-Jew, 
Of course you stand up for a woman. How could you say you stand up for an elderly non-Jew, but you wouldn't stand up for a woman? It doesn't say Zaken. It says, it says Seva. Keep going. Seva Taco. Keep going. But, but that's the second Hadar to Pnei Yeah, but, but it also says Seva. Good. Understand, which is translated as a person who has gray hair. That's exa- no, 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 no. So Seva, the Gemara says, again, you're reading just the, you're reading, oh, right, right, you're reading the art scroll, you're reading the art scroll, I'm telling you the Gemara, the Gemara, the different Shatan, no, 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 but not, I'm telling for the Hebrew, the art scroll's not a Pshat, the Gemara says, it's Machlokas what Seva means, does Seva mean Chachma, or does it just mean Zikna, it's the Machlokas of the Gemara, art scroll came a lot after the, I'm pretty sure, because it says Zikna right after, so, yeah, so that, but the question is, are they different or the same, I'm pretty sure art scroll came after the Gemara, yeah, at least the English definition part of it. So, okay, so, the question is, you do stand up for a, for a woman. Now, the question is, at what age does one stand up? So we know the famous Rebbe ben Seima in Perkei Elvis says, Omer ben Chamesh, five, you start to learn Chomesh, Esther Mishnah, so on and so forth, it keeps going on. Ben Shmonas, at 18, you have to go ahead and get married. Ben Esther, Merdof, Ben Shloshim, Mekoch, you get strength. At 30, Ben Arbam, Lebina, Ben Chamishim, Eitzah, Ben Shishim, Lezikna, you attain, um, Elderly age at sixty, ben shivim laseva, you get knowledge and and even more elderly at seventy, ben shmonim legvura, and the, uh, you get eighty at eighty you get strength. And in fact, the Shulchan Aruch Paskins that at age seventy is the age of seva starts at age seventy. So Alan, hopefully, most will corroborate what you said. Most people at seventy, if it wasn't for dyes, would have white hair. So seventy is the age which the Shulchan Aruch says that is the universal age which someone has to get up to be uh, to be honored. Before him. And one last thing on the Yalka Shmoni, a really beautiful 70 thought. 70. 70. Mibne Seva, not Mibne Zikna. He says Mibne Seva. Zikna was 60, but the Shulchan Aruch in Yerodea says as follows. Listen to this beautiful Yalka Shmoni. Yalka Shmoni says, the Medrash on Parsha Shmos, it says as follows. He says that Akadosh Baruch Hu went ahead and offered kavod to the, to the Zikanim on so many inst- instances. He says, tells Moshe, Lech vasafta Zikne Yisrael. He says to the Zikanim, he also says, well, every time you see a Kaddish Baruch Hu, always goes out of his way to give kavod. He says, Esvili Shivimish Mizikne Yisrael. And he gives on about six or seven examples. And he ends off by saying, Valodvarm Kavachomers. And not a Kavachomer, says Yaakov Shmoni. Umam Misha Omer Vaya Olam. If not for the Bori Olam, the creator of the world, who, had every, who created these people. And obviously there's no one greater than him who deserves more kavod. If he himself went out of his way, took extra real estate in the Torah to give them their kavod. He himself gives cover to the Zikanim. How much more so do we, mortals, have to go ahead and emulate in his ways, to go ahead and emulate his ways and to give cover to these uh, tremendous Tamidechachamim and to these elderly people? Without a mind, let's just do one or two more lines of Gemara. So we can say there's a Gemara share, not just a. A uh, random topic share. Okay, the last thing. So Rav said to uh, his children, when you go ahead and you cut meat, don't cut the meat in your hand. Uh, we'll see why in a second. Some say because you might slice your hand open and you're going to bleed. People are going to see you bleeding and are going to get turned off. Now, again, we could speak about this forever, but if you guys want to do the mitzvah about the Isra, the eating blood, or you want to do Gemara tomorrow, whatever you want to do, I'm happy to do either one. And the last thing he said to them, Al-Teshu Amitas Aramis, do not sit on the Armenian bed. 
Don't pass by a shoe on their davening. We'll pick up tomorrow what the three definitions, possibilities of sitting on a Ramis bed. A fascinating story. Maybe it means don't go ahead and forget to say Kriya Shema. We'll talk about Kriya Shema Lamita tomorrow. That's one of the topics we'll talk about. I know we didn't cover a lot of Gemara today, but there was a lot of fun stuff. Have an amazing day, and we'll see everyone tomorrow.